So glad you could join us this beautiful morning for your daily blast of mindset and motivation and massive action from right here on Walrus Island. I really do hope it forms part of your daily routine to help free you from any hint of the zombie-like existence of a life of mediocrity that so many people lead in the world outside of Walrus. Now this is episode 79 of the Speed Mentor podcast with me, Gavin Wall, your host and mentor, and I'll let you into a little secret. Um, I've I've scrapped what I was going to do, the podcast I was going to do today, I've scrapped it, I've scrapped my original plans for today's episode because something that came out of yesterday's episode when we talked about the dreaded bubonic plague that is excusitis, which is one of the eight virulent forms of excusitis that we talked about yesterday, which can kill you stone dead. Now, and it's the one that I don't have enough money to start a business or I don't have enough money to invest in myself or to buy the equipment that will fast track the process, the progress of a project that I'm working on. Well, that got me thinking. That got me thinking about something I can help you with here today. And it's about all the reasons why this has never been an issue for me. And if it's never been an issue for me because I go out there and get freaking busy with shit, there's always something out there to do for me. There's always some money to be made. There's always an opportunity. There's always white space right in front of my eyes. And it's right in front of your eyes too. If you'd only lift your eyelids up and actually have a look. So just as a follow-up to that episode yesterday, I thought I'd give you an idea of some of the dozens of things I've done to make money over the years, which have helped me fund all sorts of projects and kept me going through lean times. Now remember, my nickname as a youth was Big Bucks. (laughs) Now it's a little bit embarrassing and I still actually get a call, I still get called that to this day by my friends. And my, my brother, um, he, he was called uh, Petty Cash as a result. No, I hope you're hope you're not listening to this one, bro. Sorry, for, sorry for outing you on that one. But there's nothing nothing wrong with being called Petty Cash. And and what I want to do today is just give you a little flavour that there's always an extra few quid to be made in whatever you've got to do or in whatever opportunity there is that you're not actually doing at the minute. Anyway, here are some of the harebrained schemes I've done to earn cash. And maybe there's an idea just like one of those sitting right, right in front of your very eyes if you just open them. See the white space and seize the opportunity that there is for you. So here it goes. I've tried to put these in some sort of chronological order for you as best I can so you can see how I progress through my life. And there'll be lots of different little opportunities like these. I don't know how many of these bloody things I've got. I mean, there's dozens. I've probably left dozens. I'm going to give you a list of 27 different wee opportunities, different jobs, different side hustles that I've done over the years um, that might inspire you to get the extra money that you need to get some project set up or to start your own business or you to buy that holiday for your family this year. So here it goes. Now, number one, when other kids were listening to Haircut Hut 100, I was doing the FTSE 100. Now, I don't know why I was fascinated by money, business and the markets from a very early age asking for shares in companies um, I had a wee favourite company, it was called Lex International, I bought into it once or twice, that was my favourite, 
And then that was long before even the flotation of BT that got so many other inter- others interested. But I also got shares in BT for Christmas. But that was pretty early uh, to be into that sort of stuff. But it was an opportunity to build money rather than get crappy Christmas presents. Maybe it's something for you to think about with your own kids instead of getting them some crappy thing that they'll open up the box and they'll probably play with the box more than the actual present. Maybe you should think about how do they invest or... Um, is there a wee bit of uh, business would there be something in business that they would like would they like to invest in something maybe get their minds thinking about those sorts of things um, certainly when I was a kid I was really interested and it has worked for me throughout the rest of my life now number two I asked for a sewing machine for my Christmas present when I was 13 years of age now if you're north of 40 years of age you'll appreciate how out there it was for a boy to ask for something like that three and a half decades ago, I was looked at as if there was something seriously wrong with me. Now, it might help to explain why I don't worry about the haters now and why I value my own opinion or my own ambition over the opinions of others because I was never pandering to the whims of society or to the whims of what other people thought. And I made a nice few quid um, from taking in the trousers and making alterations to other kids' clothes in the area Um from my age of 13. Now we were all mods. We all liked the drain pipes. We all liked our trousers really tight. And we used to go down to John Fraser's. A corn market there. It's not there anymore. I think there's a place thing called White Space actually. A shop called White Space. And, um, or White Stuff I think it's called. And But the, the trousers weren't tight enough. Now they were drain pipes. But they weren't tight enough for us. So I got my sewing machine for Christmas. And I used to take them in. And I used to charge a couple of pounds for each um, pair of trousers that I took in, and we all had loads of burgundy trousers and black and all sorts of things. So that was a wee, wee side-making, a wee money-making scheme I had there. So number three, I love driving my parents hard to do pocket money at home. Now, they were never that keen on pocket money at home, as I was always coming up with angles to rig the system so that I would get more pocket money. Now, interestingly, my eldest daughter, who's my mini-me, is exactly the same as me now, which is quite funny to have the roles reversed on me. Now, number four, I got a set of hair clippers and scissors set for my Christmas present when I was 14 years of age, and I cut hair amongst my friends to earn some extra cash there too. Number five, I built the patio when I was 16 years of age, and that made me £170 profit. But I must say, I actually ripped my back um, from lifting all the flagstones, which I'd ordered all the flagstones, all the material, the sand, cement, the works myself, and laid the whole thing myself. But I ripped my back, and I still have back problems to this day because of that. But it did make £170, and that was a major and pivotal part in my entrepreneurial career, remembering back to that. Now, number six, when I was 16 and 17, I was the manager of a band, you know, or like a rock band. Some say I couldn't sing a note. Now, who would say that about me? But you know, all you listeners, you know that I can sing. In fact, I'm I'm going to give you the only line I ever had in the band um, because I know how much you like my singing. And the, the, the line went like this. It was a wee back in line. To be a weak and a desperate man. To be a weak and a desperate man. To be a weak and a desperate man. And that was the to- the, uh, the sum total of my lines in the history of the band. And we had lots of songs and played lots of gigs. That was all I ever got to sing. But my struggles in my teens with my singing, which I've now obviously conquered, didn't stop me as it would have stopped many. No, because I became the manager of the band rather than being in the band. And do you know what else? I managed to negotiate an equal share of the money for organising the gigs. Now, there's another wee entrepreneurial one um, for you. Now, our band was called The Forlorn Hope, which we then shortened to The Hope. 
just to make it a little more cheerier. That's what bands were called when indie rock bands back in those days, um, back in the nineties. Uh, not back in the nineties, back in the eighties. Um, now a shout out to my best man and the lead singer, and who he was also a fabulous songwriter, and his name is uh, Thomas Patrick, and he's actually a barrister right here in Belfast. Now he used to be a barrister with me at the bar. Now he was all also a beautiful lyric writer and could create a rasping indie rock melancholic melody to die for. So thanks very much, Tom, for letting me be um, the manager of the band. Now, number seven, money lending. Because I always had money and had my own bank account from a very early age and had plenty of money in it, I always had spare cash, which I used as a passive income stream by lending that money to others for interest. Now, um, this can work really well, but here's a caveat for that. There's a high risk it can ruin relationships and friendships as people who achieve only mediocre results in life usually blame the hand that feeds when things go wrong for them. Now, number eight, I used to buy and sell records at record fairs at at the old Maysfield Leisure Centre here in Belfast, which is now uh, Concentric's headquarters. Number nine, I was a janitor in England during the summer when I was 17. I got the gig through a recruitment consultancy. Now, when I realised they were getting a big slice of the pie... Um, for placing me with, on my hourly rate, for placing me with Arlington House in Camden, I asked them if they would be prepared at Arlington House to cut the middleman out and pay me directly and we could split the recruiter's piece of the action. Now, they agreed. I'm not sure if that was very fair and ethical of me, but it made me a load of cash. Now, I was taking home about £400 per week and this was more than 30 years ago. Now, that was really, really strong money. I used to do all the janitoring in the hostel for homeless people. And one of my jobs was actually for checking for the guys each morning to see if they were still alive in their rooms. And sometimes, unfortunately, they weren't. Now, it was a brilliant uh, learning curve for me on so many fronts. And um, there were some, some great crack in Arlington House. And also some tough times. Now, number 10. I remember another year when I was a security guard for Columbia TriStar Pictures just off Oxford Street in London. Now, I really made strong money during that time working big hours and I also expanded my role as a security guard from not just being a security guard but to also answering the phones there too which they paid me extra money for as I was saving them on the cost of a receptionist. You see, folks, there's always opportunity if you're looking out for it but unfortunately at that stage I picked up some of my very bad habits and wasted all my money on gambling and drinking. Number 11, I pretty much gambled for the full full time for a decade from 18 to 28, thinking I could make money from it, thinking I could be a bit of a professional gambler, but really I was addicted to the buzz of gambling and useless as it as using it as a vehicle to make money. Thankfully, I managed to knock that on the head in the late 20s and haven't gambled since. I should do a whole episode about the horrors of gambling one day, as it might help some other people out there, but the risk of business. The interesting thing is that the risk of business is about right to give me the thrill, but in a controlled way. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. Number 12, homeworking kits. <laughs> this is a good one. Homeworking kits. I used to buy these by mail order in my 20s when I was looking for a side hustle. You used to buy them in packs of, say, 20, and you'd have to make like a, a DIY electrical circuit. I don't know of any. I used to buy them. They were advertised in one of the red top newspapers. But they were so footery. You'd buy all these wee parts and you'd try to make about 20 of them. But it was like trying to thread a camel through the eye of a needle. When you had a batch done, you'd send them off for payment. And then they'd send them back saying that the circuits were faulty. After about a couple of months, I realised that it was nothing more than a scam. Number 13, I was a barman in the second most famous bar in Belfast. The Gin Palace itself, Lavery's Bar. Now, the owner of that 
um, was my dad's best man and he was an institution in this town, still is maybe, as uh, Charlie Lavery, I know his nephew Bernard, who's a good guy, looks after Lavery's now. Number 14, if you have time on your hands, you could do what I did in my 20s and submit yourself to what used to be called Harris Laboratories and then it became Biokinetic Europe. I'm not sure what it's called now, it's on the Lisburn Road uh, and I submitted myself in there to become an, an inpatient for laboratory tests for new medications. Now, this was pretty lucrative um, 25 years ago, and I'm still, I'm sure they still do it, and they do it in lots of towns up and down the country. Now, you get fed and watered for several days at a time, but I really struggled with the needles, to be honest. Uh, but the money was great, and so if you have time on your hands, submitting yourself to one of those laboratory tests is a great way to make a bit of extra cash. Number 15, I used to sell Euphony Attila, uh telecommunication products, which was like a, a multi-level marketing telephony product. Now, I see loads of opportunities in the ML, MLM space at the minute, and certainly a lot of stuff around dietary things, and I know a few guys are making a few extra pounds out of that. Number 16, I was a painter. No, not a painter and decorator. I was actually an artist, although I have done a wee bit of painting and decorating too, but my stuff was actually quite surreal. I can remember one of my paintings was Everything's Not As It Seems, some people might say that about me. But anyway, there was no money ever made out of it because it was actually rubbish. Number 17, I sold life insurance for Castle Life, um, which then became Cornhill Insurance. Uh, Mr. Duffy was the owner of Castle Life and he sold out to Cornhill Insurance, uh, Cornhill insurance and I sold life insurance and pensions and things for them. Number 18, I sold car insurance for Ensley Insurance. I was actually a qualified solicitor when I was doing that and I couldn't get a job as a solicitor for various reasons I've discussed about before. But I sold car insurance for Ensley Insurance. Number 19, I sold double glazing for BR Windows. I think I was a qualified solicitor during that period as well. So I sold double glazing right across Northern Ireland from Fork Hill um, all the way up to North Antrim Coast for BR Windows. Number 20, I've had multiple franchises from international phone cards to subway stores that I have now. I love this type of business and you, I, and if you have the will but you don't have too much skill, then going down the franchise route is a really good one. Number 21, property. This is a very popular side hustle with plenty of upside for people. Now, I built my property portfolio up to 50 houses and a few commercial properties before stupidly buying Four bits of development land in 2006 and getting into bed with some unsuitable JV partners, leading to me and my family losing everything we owned, including our family home. Now, number 22, share dealing. As this became available in the 1990s online, I had an online account with Killick Stockbrokers and I spent a lot of my time and made strong market during that bull market in the 1990s. Number 23, mentorship. I did this pro bono for many years eventually up to 20 hours per week at the height of its popularity. But ultimately, despite not wanting to monetize my mentorship as I love doing it and I make my money elsewhere, I had to due to the really significant demand um, from mentees seeking mentorship from me. But I added so much value to Northern Ireland PLC by doing this for free for so long that I became the leading and most in-demand mentor in Northern Ireland very quickly. There's a lesson in there for anyone who looks to sell rather than add value. Number 24, public speaking. Now, this is something I embraced a couple of years ago, and because I threw myself into it, added value, wasn't afraid to say what I think. For instance, I did an event last year, the Wonder Waterfront Hall, to 300 recruiters, and the feedback I received was, Gavin, did you really have to do the second drive-by shooting of, your, of the recruiters in your speech? Maybe that's why so many of them hate me. But now, in my view, that was a misinterpretation of my speech, because I actually said that, we as a business community get the recruiters we deserve. They reflect the business community. The reason there are so many low-rent recruiters is because we aren't good enough 
as businesses. Now, too many treat recruitment as nothing more than a procurement tool. Now, number 25, I've been a solicitor, I've been a barrister, I've been a retailer, I've been a franchisor, I've been a mentor, an investor, and an offence organiser. Number 26, I'm a podcaster. Number 27, not to mention a hundred other things I looked into and didn't do, some of which included VIP, bin cleaning, corporate cleaning, claims direct, Microsoft engineer. They go on and on and on. Now I'm just chief walrus and mentor in residence on Walrus Island, but my journey is only just beginning and so should yours. My point is this, folks. I know that if I want to do something, create something, build something, the opportunity and the money is out there. If you want to improve your current situation and you're not yet working 100 hours per week, it's time to get your finger out of your ass and get that side hustle on the go. Hopefully some of you are some of the ones I've done have sparked an idea in your mind but there are many others um, uh, that you could pick from that I haven't done. I'm just going to give a wee quick list of say I'm going to rattle through them. Number one, what about dog walking? You could be looking after your own health as well as walking other people's dogs at the same time. Number two, what about the one that Gary Vee always talks about? What about the garage sale? Number three, what about a tutor? What skills and knowledge do you have that could help others? Number four, what about being a YouTuber? Um, which I have no doubt I would be doing if I was a teenager at the minute instead of doing the sewing machine stuff. And all of that business. Number five, there are loads of MLM marketing or loads of MLM MLM selling opportunities out there now. Number six, teach yourself how to do websites and sell that as a service. It's not that difficult. Number seven, build an Instagram presence and and get good content out there and then show others how to do that and charge them for it. As most of them actually don't have a clue. The list is endless. And remember, the internet has democratised your ability to get your message out there. So don't let a lack of money ever hold you back. It's just an excuse or loads of ways to make money out there. I've always found them. Now, don't forget that I was an amazing, uh, that I have an amazing event coming up about how to build an unstoppable mindset on the 27th of June. Tickets are almost sold out. So hit me up on my social channels and join me and 40 other like-minded people to network and learn from the Speed Mentor. It's going to be an amazing event and you might just pick up some ideas about how to make some extra cash when you're there. And if you've had value from this free resource and you haven't already blessed me with a subscription and a review, then please take this time to do so right fucking now. It really makes a huge difference to keep this local voice banging the Walrus Island jungle drums every day. From me to you, there's money everywhere waiting for you. I hope I've shown you that today. If you actually want it, go out and get it. But ultimately, it's your choice.